there's all this advice. Well, there's the pay gap, right? The wage gap right. where women earn less than men. And well, it's just because women don't negotiate and don't go out there. And then, but then you see, or, or women don't, you know, ask for more and women just go and ask for more. And then you look at the data and it actually shows that a lot of times a man who goes and asks for a pay raise is just seen as like assertive and good for you. And a woman who does that is seen as pushy. I think I was literally on a board meeting being like, I might pass out. It's those little trade-offs every day. And I think as women, we're always most likely to sacrifice ourselves and our own physical and mental well-being. And that's the hardest part. Of Can you really have it all? And so this one was about the power of perspective and the power mm -hmm. of words. And the message for me is twofold. One is, and this is very important for women, stop apologizing so much. It's okay to take up space. I met her on Monday and my son was homesick. And I mentioned, she stopped, she looked at me, she said, thank you for being here while he's homesick. And it felt so good. Right, and I said, it was right. just like, yeah. I'm happy to be here and like you see you see my effort and that's cool and then we just move yeah. on. I think it goes back to that too. How can we be grateful to ourselves? Hello and welcome to episode nine of Success Unscripted. Today I'm joined by Andrea Spillman Gadget, who has been popping up on my LinkedIn feed a lot recently. And I've been so inspired. I feel like she's taking these jumbled up thoughts out of my brain and rearranging them into these poignant observations and life lessons. And I just knew I had to have her on my show. Andrea is a customer success leader, coach, and mommy, and today we talk about how to juggle it all. As always, thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Sarah Roberts, and you're listening to Success Unscripted. Hi. Hello. It's lovely to, lovely to be here, lovely to talk to you again. Thanks so much for joining me. I, um, it's funny, you know, everybody that I've had on here until now, until you, is somebody mm -hmm. that... I've, I've already known through work or, you know, growing up and you, um, I just kind of want to give some context into how we know each other because we just met mm -hmm. and you've been showing up in my LinkedIn feed and I've just been so inspired by your posts and you're also a CS leader and you're also a mom. And I was like, I have to talk to this woman. And so I reached out to you and, uh, sure enough, loved you as soon as we started talking. And, um, but I have so many different like questions, a lot of them based off of some of your posts, but really excited to get into some topics around leadership and being a mother in the workplace and work-life balance and, and all that stuff that, that really matters. So yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah. And I felt an instant connection when we first talked. So similarly, we haven't, haven't, I, I don't have the, the long background you've had with some of the other folks on here but I feel an instant kinship. So I'm so excited for our yeah. conversation. Great, great. So I wanted to start with, and this, you, you have a, an interesting headline on LinkedIn and it's so, it feels so appropriate to me because why I've been gravitating towards you is that you, you find insight and are able to convey wisdom in the smallest observations that most people either wouldn't notice or they would just think is kind of mundane. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think this headline is appropriate and it says solving problems that matter. So yeah. wanted to start there. What is, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, I think it's meant different things throughout my career, but um, 
I've always gravitated to like, how can I make the world just a little bit better? Um, and that's taken a lot of different forms. Initially, I studied public health. I had my master's in public health. I thought I was going to go into public health. And um, I went into technology for public health. That's kind of how I got my start. And I've always gravitated to how do we how do we solve problems that can make people's lives better? Um, and I think technology especially has this big multiplying effect, right? Where the problems we put technology towards change a lot. The te technology can, you know, drastically impact how we do things like get from point A to point B, like order food, yeah. like, and the more we, we can focus on making, applying technology or solving problems for people in our bubble. And that kind of makes the world even more unequal. Mm -hmm. Or we can think about how do we get outside of our bubble a little bit? How do we, where can we really impact change? And so I've, to the extent I could in my career, I've tried to focus on companies or organizations that are trying to use technology, not just to make life more convenient, but to really solve problems that can impact, you know, core elements of, of people's lives and well-being. Mm -hmm. And now in, in sort of more consulting and, and coaching and advising, I focus on the same to the extent I can, either on organizations that are, that are, that are thinking broader, more broadly, um, but also on supporting leaders that I think bring that perspective to the world. Yeah. And I mean, you, I actually haven't, wasn't planning to talk too much about customer success today, even though you are a customer success leader, because I think the leadership and mentoring and all of that stuff is, um, I think a little bit more meaningful in this context, but yeah, you, I mean, you alluded to this, but you've, <laughs> you're now an entrepreneur and you have your own business that where you're doing some advising and mentoring. And you've mentioned to me that that's really what feels meaningful. And there's also a need for that, um, especially for women and mm -hmm. moms in particular. And you actually, you asked the LinkedIn community recently, you know, I, I want to be able to provide value to my network. What is it that you guys want to hear more of? And overwhelmingly the, the response was how to be a female leader. Yeah. And it's, there's so much to unpack there. And it's something that's come mm. up in previous episodes. Um, I, the VP of, of success and support at gorgeous, one of my biggest clients, Elise, she she talks about how sometimes if you don't see people in a leadership position that look like you and sound like you, it can be difficult to find your own voice or even imagine yourself being in that position. Mm -hmm. So you have done a great job of, of trying to fill that gap. So what are some of the pieces of advice that you give female leaders? So first, I think I don't usually start with advice because everyone's situation is different, right? And yeah. if you think about, as you have seen from my posts, parenting is my lens on a lot of the world right now. Yes. 
And I think about like being a parent and you get all of this like advice and you're like, I, I don't know, like, oh my God, there's all this stuff I should be doing. And then eventually you realize that like advice is just a bunch of stuff that you can try on and figure out what works for you and what solves the problem that like you immediately have. And I think the same is there as a leader, although there's, there's less advice, um, but it's still like, you kind of need what's pertinent to you in the moment. Yeah. But the one thing I will say, like I have one overarching piece of advice for parents, which is like kind of what I just said, like ignore the advice until it's helpful to you. Mm -hmm. And maybe like the one overarching piece of advice that I would give to female leaders is sort of like trust your own instincts mm. and find yourself and don't over index on what you think you should be doing. Because of how the world has worked, most leaders have been white middle-aged men. Yep. Um, and white middle-aged men, especially in kind of Western culture, have a certain personality type often, especially folks from privileged backgrounds, which, you know, mostly it's folks from privileged backgrounds. So white middle-aged men from privileged backgrounds. Um, and a lot of them have gone to the same schools and have had the same socialization and so have the same personality traits. Um, and we now associate those personality traits with leadership, even mm. though, you know, some of them are probably helpful, but some of them might be harmful, but yet we still associate them with leadership. And probably there's a whole lot of other personality traits that are also really helpful that maybe they don't have, or maybe something, some way that one person leads, somebody else might lead very differently with the same outcome. Yeah. Um, and so kind of taking away this, like, this is what I need to look like to be a leader. I have to look like this. I should do this. I've seen other people do it. So I should do it and focus on, you know, the same way I tell parents, try on a bunch of advice till you figure out what fits and what solves your immediate challenge. Kind of similar thing for female leaders. Like, Try on different styles, try on different things until you figure out kind of what sits right for you and where you can find your own authentic way of being. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice. What about differences in negotiation? Because I know you I know you've coached around yes. this in particular. And yeah. And I think those dynamics of, you know, perceptions around what a woman should be or mm -hmm you know, the B word. Um, yep. Not yeah. balance. Cause I know you, we'll talk about balance later, but the I'm talking about word. the bad B word. Yeah. Um, but like that, that kind of balance of, of I'm using that word, um, of being too assertive or, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I think there are so many different ways that you can go about this. And Cheryl Sandberg did a, a Ted talk on this as well, but how do you think about approaching negotiations as a woman, as a woman. So I think there's like different types of negotiations. So you and I, I think at one point had talked about like negotiating for yourself, like advocating for yourself and your salary and salary increases. And there's all this advice. There's all this, there's like, well, there's the pay gap, right? The wage gap right. where women are in less than men. And well, it's just because women don't negotiate and don't go out there. And then, but then you see, or women don't, you know, ask for more and like women just go and ask for more. And then you look at the data and it actually shows that a lot of times um, a man who goes and asks for, a, you know, a, a pay raise or for a higher role is just seen as like assertive and good for you. And a woman who does that is seen as pushy. Mm -hmm. I just saw an article from Harvard Business Review that talked about networking 
Mm. You know, men are benefited by networking with men in higher positions and kind of like social climbing is like a negative way of putting it, but, but not right. You, you benefit from having a broader network and a network of folks who are in higher roles than you. And so the advice is, okay, go do that. But then it turns out that when women do that, they're viewed as assertive, but that's negative. They're too assertive. Mm -hmm. And so the, literally the, the advice in the article was like, you just have to signal that you're doing it for the, for the greater good, that you're doing yeah. it for the good of the team, that you're doing the it for I the broader need. good. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, gosh, I wish we didn't have to do that, but you kind of do. Right. And so there's all of this, like, well, women don't, don't use language that undermines, that undercuts your point. And then you're like, well, but we kind of have to do that a little bit right now, because that's how we become less threatening, less aggressive. Yep. And so it's this, it's this fine balance, right? Or on one hand, we're trying to change the world so that we can show up in the same way or, or ask for the same things. And we still have to function in this world. Right. Right. And so it's sort of, how do you, how do you balance that? Oh, the other point the article made though, I'll, I'll give it credit because it was a good article. Um, the other point it made was like, well, we need more systems in place, right? So um, how do companies set up networking such that it's just part of how the company works? Um, this is where when, you know, we talk about wage negotiation, you shouldn't have to negotiate. So a lot of recruiting I do now, um, like I, I, when I was hiring within my own companies and supporting a nonprofit now doing the same, you just don't negotiate salary. This is the salary, right? And you start at the highest point that you're willing to go and you don't, don't go any higher. Um, same thing with having leveling within companies, just make yep. it really transparent. So I think there's ways also systematically um, that we can address that, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's this fine line. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg talks about this too and calls it, I think she calls it like the I, we strategy where mm -hmm. you're not just talking about what do I want and what's good for me, but sitting on the same side of the table that if you give me this promotion, it will be good for yeah. the company because I will have a inflated title and we'll be able to make a bigger impact with customers or mm -hmm. um, whatever that may be. But having to, like you said, like in order to change the world, we need to operate within it and then get to those positions of, of power and then make those changes, right? Yeah. It's kind of a chicken or the egg kind of question. Um, exactly. And I want to talk about motherhood specifically because there, you, you posted last year, about a year ago when Serena Williams retired mm -hmm. from tennis because she wanted to focus on her family. And, and she said, you know, I didn't want to have to choose between my career and family. And you said, sometimes we make gut wrenching choices to sacrifice something so that we don't accidentally lose everything. And as women, we do have to make that trade off because a lot of times, even if we're in a dual income household, you know, the woman is still 
seen as the main caretaker. And they've done a ton of studies that show that women do more housework and they do more childcare. Um, and in my case, my husband is extremely supportive and I mean, does at least half of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but there are still those moments where I'm mom and she yeah. needs me more than him because she's two and because I'm her mom and I breastfed her for an entire year. And, you know, I, I am home for her more so mm -hmm. than him. And that's just the way it is. So do you feel like you've had to make sacrifices? And what has that experience as a, as a working mom been for you? Yeah, it's hard. I think the thing I sacrificed the most, especially when I was in full-time executive roles was myself. Mm. Um, so I remember um, taking a business trip. So I was, you know, led customer success. So I would pre-pandemic, especially this, it was all about the FaceTime with the customers, right? You have an enterprise customer, go see them, get on a plane, go see them. And before having a kid, I could just, I, I could, you know, it was no big deal. I'd just hop on a plane. I'd right. maybe travel for 48 hours, come home. It was great. Go back to the office. Um, nothing to coordinate, nothing to organize. Um, and then I, I had a kid and I was cutting those 48 or 72 hour trips down to like 36 hours so mm. that I could be back. I, at that point I had a, a nine month old. Um, I'm trying to like pump and find the pumping rooms and yeah, getting the, this is part of it. I'm sorry, this is oversharing, but like getting clogged ducts because I'm trying to pump on the yeah. go and not giving enough time and like organize. And, and so there's all of this extra pressure around the trip. Yes. Meanwhile, I'm sleep deprived because the kid is waking up still at night. And I remember coming home from one of those trips and almost passing out at my desk. And luckily I had picked a company pre-pandemic that had, um, uh, that enabled us to work from home a few days a week. Um, so it was like hybrid work before that was popular, super supportive company. It was one of my work from home days and I was able to just like go lie down mm -hmm. and I was like, shoot, I can't. I can't do this. Like I, my, I can't, I don't physically have like the, the energy reserves and I, I need to be a little bit more careful of how I'm, um, budget. Like I have to actually budget my energy now. Yeah. Um, so I think that was an, a, a big moment for me. I think the good part or how I've always approached family work life balance, all of that is like, it is always a balancing act and you are never going to get it right. And so I've just tried to be really aware of like feedback loops and inputs and be like, all right, got to adjust a little bit. And mm -hmm. so in that moment, you know, I adjusted a little bit. I forget what we did, but I was like, all right, maybe I need to take a little bit longer for trips. Maybe I need to prioritize my sleep before and after. Right. Maybe I need to not have such a packed day. I think I was on a board call too. I think I was literally on a board meeting being like, I might pass out. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to not do this. Right. So that's also like the extra pressure. Maybe I shouldn't have a trip two days before a board meeting when I'm also going to have a lot of prep to do for that board meeting. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I don't, but I don't like, it's those little trade-offs every day. And I think as women, we're always most likely to sacrifice ourselves and our own physical mm. and mental well-being. And that's the hardest part. I'm still not good at that. I'm still not good at not doing that. Yeah. And not that it ever goes away, the pressure and the 
exhaustion and all of that, but it was really a wake up call for me when I first had Maddie, it was in the first six weeks or something. And I was breastfeeding and I, I nursed the entire, we ended up having an, there was an issue with my milk where like, we didn't realize until several months in that it was like turning rancid as soon as I would pump and we were trying to feed her this bottle and she was like, no, because it was so Mm -hmm. disgusting. And I tried it once and it was like, I can't believe I've been trying to like torture my child. So anyway, so she, it was like, I mean, I was, I was for an entire year. Thank God I had the supply because she would not take a bottle. And I didn't realize that breastfeeding, I think is, it takes, takes even more calories than pregnancy. And I, I'll never forget. My sister was here. Maddie was about six weeks old and I was, she was on a changing table and all of a sudden I got so dizzy and I almost passed out and thank God my sister was in the room. So she was able to make sure that she didn't fall off the changing table, which could be fatal. Mm -hmm. Um, And around that time as well, like just going from like my bed to the bathroom, like I would get so exhausted, like, 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 pure exhaustion. And the, they did all these tests and my doctor was like, yeah, you just need to eat more. And it, it's just, it's such a miracle and it's so incredible pregnancy. And, you know, then if you are nursing afterwards as well, like, but it takes so, so much. And in a lot of the research that I've done around like the, the pay gap or, you know, women not getting promoted as much and not being in leadership. A lot of it is around women self-selecting out of those promotions yeah, because they do want to be a mom. And it's like, and that's, that's the hard thing. And I don't think anybody's figured it out and, and can you really have it all? And I think that looks different for everybody, Mm -hmm. um, for each person. And, that's one of the reasons why I decided to become an entrepreneur because I knew that there was no way that I could take care of myself and a child and work for somebody else and be beholden to their schedule. There's just no way because I, I need that extra time to sleep or take a bath or like if I'm on the verge of a panic attack, like I have to have control over just like self-soothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, so in your case, you said you made some adjustments. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have any, I, I don't, I guess I don't know what the, cause there isn't any answer to this, right? Well, like, I think it's a math you... problem, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a math problem. I remember someone saying to me when I had a five month old, I had just gone back to work again with my first Uh, And I was talking to a guy um, and he was like, oh, how's it going? I was like, yeah, you know, it's making it work. It's hard. It's hard. He's like, yeah, you know, um, I did my, my MBA while I was working. And so I, I'm sure it's not the same, but like, I get it. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't. Because the thing is like, it's one thing to do something on the side of, of work that you can control right? You can decide how many hours you're going to spend. You can be more efficient. You can do it at 80%. Parenting, you can't be efficient at. Like 
there's just a certain number of hours your kid needs. And there is a certain number of hours that you have to actually rest at a certain point or you will not function. And I think you manage during parenthood to bring that number down, but there's still, you still need that. Um, Well, there's, and there's surprises too. Like they get sick all the time. Well, so that's the thing, right? A lot of companies are like, well, and I've had amazing managers. um, I've usually reported into the CEO, the COO who are always like, oh, your kid's sick. No problem. Like go pick them up. We can skip our one-on-one move things around. Like, I know you'll get it all done. And I'm like, but when? Like, yeah, I'll get it all done. But like, when? I now lost three hours of work today because I went to pick my kid up and take them to the doctor and come home with them and they need me. And now they're also going to be up all night. I'm catching whatever they have. So I'm now sick too. Like, when do I have the time to make up the work that I didn't do? I, I don't. Like, that doesn't, I just don't have that time. So either a deadline has to slip or somebody else has to help. Right. But especially in startups, in VC backed startups where you're trying to grow 2X or 3X per year, there's very little like wiggle room. You don't, you don't really have, there's nobody to cover for you. There's no one to cover for you. The teams are small. Yep. And you can't really just push deadlines. There's everything has to happen like yesterday. And so that's, I mean, yeah. And that's where I say it's a math problem, right? There's a certain number of hours in the day. Kids need a certain amount of that time. Stuff comes up. We're looking at moving to Switzerland, in fact. <laughs> so part of this is just- were, it's, I thought that was a done deal. It's pretty much a done deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's pretty much a done deal. And I've been talking to a lot of folks there. And most people I talk to are like, yeah, we work. Not most people. A lot of people I talk to are like, yeah, we work 80%. We have kids. We work 80%. We and work so, 80%. What does that mean? Like they're, they work four days a week instead of five days a week. Oh. So I talked and, and talked and, you know, someone I was just introduced to, she's like, yeah, my husband and I both work four days a week. Maybe we have less childcare, maybe. And and so. And do they typically, it, and I don't know if this, if you have the answer to this question, but is it typically like they both take off the same day or they take off different days? I don't know. And I do know there's this, there's a whole other dynamic in Switzerland where it's like kind of made for the woman to be home and like the childcare gaps are kind of real and we're still figuring all of this out. But what was really interesting to me is like, well, you kind of need as a parent, I think it would be great if there were more options um, here in the US where you can still have an impactful job, but say, you know, I'm going to do this at 80%, 80% time and like actually have that 80% time respected. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who want to do that, but are worried that if they work 80%, they're going to get paid 80%, but still Mm. work 100%. But I don't know, that's hard to do. Um, I've seen job sharing, but I haven't seen that happen a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I don't have a solution other than looking at the math problems of how do you how do you reduce the number of hours that people need to spend? I mean, I think. I think the biggest thing is just a, a shift in culture yeah. around the husband picking up 50% of the childcare and the housework. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And I, and I do think that culturally we're moving in that direction and you see, you know, sometimes there are stay at home dads and, mm-hmm. and 
I know a lot of men that take pride in being a father and, and stepping up. Yeah. Um, although even as I'm talking about it, I'm using the word stepping up. Right. As yeah. As, as if that's an amazing yeah, like, thing. Celebrate like, them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yay, you're doing as much work as we are. But, yeah. But, but, it, but I mean, at the same time, like, that you know i we need we need that you know so right. i do want to celebrate it but so when we had maddie mm-hmm. um i and i worked for myself and i uh this was when things were still really busy and the recruiting market was really hot mm-hmm. and i had a ton of searches mm-hmm. i went back to work and was breastfeeding around the clock which was really challenging oh but gosh. i went back to work 7 weeks after having oh her mm-hmm. because i I was like, I, like, I need to, I need to do these searches and I, mm. you know, I, I don't get, I don't get maternity leave. I don't get paid for not working. And he had six months off. Mm-hmm. And so he was like the primary caregiver. Um, and then it evened out, uh, when we were both working. Um, but I will say as a entrepreneur, where I don't have to ask for time off, I am kind of the default now, most of the time, if she's sick or, you know, taking her to this like creative explorations that we have once a week where the parent goes with her to the preschool to, and, and so I'm curious as you've moved from working for somebody else to working for yourself, has your dynamic changed with your partner around who's the primary default caregiver when they get sick or whatever? Yeah, sort of. And it's conscious, right? So first, like you said a couple of things that I just want to pick up on, which like you mentioned your, so first of all, when you were starting to tell that, you told the story like a little while back about being so dizzy while you were changing your daughter's diaper because you need to eat more and all this. And I'm just in my, when you were telling that story, I'm like, and so many women are already back at work at six weeks, right? Like yeah, data shows that it negatively impacts both the mother's health and the baby's health for moms to go back before like six to nine months. And yet, you know, we don't have that support. And I'm lucky enough to live in California where even as an entrepreneur, I would get paid state disability. Although I was, in a company that was paying me great maternity leave while I took my three months. Mm. Um, and then my husband took time off after that. Um, he took his full paternity leave too, right? So that helped a lot. Um, so I think a couple things that I think are really important, and I don't know, I'll, I think I'll get to answering the question directly, but it's like, I think there's foundation here that you touched on that's that I really want to call out. One is, I think the father or the the non-birth parent or the the non-default parent taking leave and being a full-time parent for a bit is so important not just to support the parent who has been default and is now back at work and not just for the child so you don't have to send the baby into daycare or nanny at three months but also because they gain a new understanding of all the things that have to go on and it Mm. makes it so much easier to then split stuff later is is what i found i don't know if if this was similar for you, because you've talked about having that split. Yeah. Um, so that helped a lot. And I don't know it, it. And there's still like the default parent stuff that happens. You mentioned your two-year-old just kind of wants you sometimes. And 
for me, it's that we pick the kids up at 4.30 and, and I pick them up because I'm working part-time and that was a conscious decision that I made because I want to spend more time with them. Um, and then they're just like on top of me, like literally so many times I have the five-year-old on one knee and the one-year-old on the other knee, because oh, yeah. if one wants my attention, they both do. And they're yeah. just like physically on top of me. Um, yeah. Maddie like always needs to be helped. She, she's so cute. She, she always goes, mommy, carry you mommy, Aww. carry you. <laughs> she doesn't have the pronouns, right? But, yeah. Oh. Yeah, right and we love that and you know you're gonna you know. miss it and everyone tells you you're gonna miss it and so but right you still need a break sometimes right um so you asked about like default parenting and if I just naturally pick up yeah, more yeah. now that I'm the entrepreneur and 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 have a more flexible schedule and like yes and also that was the deal that I right. sort of came to my husband with it was kind of like look I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out it means I'll be more flexible it actually means you know but I schedule things like I schedule to go to the gym twice a week. Um, yeah. I schedule physical therapy. Like I, and if stuff happens in those windows, if I can move it, great. But if not, my husband's going to go pick up the kid. If something happens, um, this yeah. morning I was, I had a meeting from eight to nine 30 that had been really hard to schedule. And so he dropped both kids off. Normally I drop off the baby. So I think it's like, we we just still have to communicate. And, um, he's been luckily like really respectful of the fact that being an entrepreneur, I'm not just like putting my feet up and doing nothing. Like I'm, I'm doing work and I, right. I need time for that. And I try to recognize that he's our stability right now. Our benefits are through him. Like he's taking on more hours. And yes. so to the extent I can, so I think it's just like, I don't know, maybe that service mentality in marriage. Like, how do I help you? How do I make your life better? Yeah. Um, has helped us a bit, but it's still hard. It's like really I mean, hard. Yeah, it's really hard. And yeah, my husband, I mean, he pays our mortgage and he has the benefits and, you know, especially because things were really slow last year and it's, as an entrepreneur, it is hard, especially if the, the money isn't coming as regularly or as much as mm -hmm. it would if you are a W2. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I even feel bad advocating for myself or, you know, and, mm. and, or, well, what's, what's challenging now is we're, I'm starting to invest in help for the podcast because the market is starting to return and there's just no way I could do my recruiting business and the podcast full time. There's right. just no way. So I'm starting to put that infrastructure in place, but then investing in myself in something mm. that isn't yet lucrative. It, it just, it's kind of this mind fuck, to be honest. And it's yeah. like, it's just sometimes hard to, to have that faith in yourself, which I mean, as a, as an mm. entrepreneur, you, you have to, you know, you're always putting yourself out there, but I want to, I want to change to a little bit of a um, pivot to a positive note. The biggest thing that I've gravitated towards when it comes to you and, and your posts on LinkedIn, which is how I found you, is you a lot of your posts are through this lens of, of your children. And it's almost like you're seeing the world through their eyes in this kind of with a sense of wonder. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
the one, my first post where I was like, I got to talk to this woman was the post about when you were making a cake <laughs> and your son is obsessed with those cooking cake baking shows. And he was like, mommy, let's do it. Let's do it. And so, and you had a, a photo of, of the like car or whatever that you guys made. It's so cute. And you know, you guys are doing your best and you're YouTubing things. And I think you dropped the cake at one point. And, and, and so you, you, you have this thing that, you know, it, I mean, it looks like a car, but yeah, it's a little rough around the edges and um, it's got its little Oreo wheels. And, and your reaction was like, oh my God, this is, this looks terrible. And you look at him and, and he goes, mommy, I love it. And it was in that moment that you realized that you're, you were holding yourself to the expectation of these are the people we're watching on TV and these professional bakers are making these masterpieces. And so if my cake doesn't look like this masterpiece, then I must have failed. Whereas your son just wanted to bake a cake with you, maybe eat a little bit of frosting and so it was that, and I, it was just so, and this is, I mean, and I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And this is what your gift of being able to take these experiences that you have and then make them so meaningful and poignant because time and time again, in my conversations with high achievers, you know, we're high achievers for a reason. And it's because we hold ourselves to those standards. But there's also this, I mean, it's so important to step back. And I think you talk about focusing on the things that you did right. Um, and I have to remind myself of that all the time is like, yeah. what, what am I, even if it's the small thing, even if it's just getting the damn podcast out there when it's terrifying, like, mm -hmm. and and I keep trying to remind myself, like, as long as each episode is a, is better than the last one in some way, I'm winning. As long as somebody's finding value in this, I'm winning. Um, but how do you kind of shift your mindset to be more supportive and self-loving? I think I saw someone else post the other day, like, let's give our, ourselves the same grace we give other people or, or something like that, the same support. The car that we baked, like the, 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 the cake baking fiasco slash success story um for me it was more like understand what outcomes matter mm. um and like don't hold yourself don't focus too much on the stuff that doesn't even though you're I am a perfectionist and I think this is so true in startups too um I remember getting really frustrated in startups and, and sometimes this is like the 80 20 rule I questioned if I should even be in startups because I remember I don't know, giving a customer presentation and being like, oh, you know, that slide wasn't quite perfect or like really wish we'd practiced that more. But but you can't like you just don't have that time. And sometimes you just have to get stuff done. Um, and so I think it's that what actually matters right in the case of like a client presentation or a client meeting that we were having, well, you know, what mattered was that we showed up. What mattered was that we listened. What mattered was that we talked to the client's value. What didn't matter was having the most beautiful consulting style deck. Like, yeah, it has to look professional. <laughs> you know, it can't look like, you know, our 10 year old did it. Although actually 10 year olds are probably better at PowerPoint at this point than I am. Yeah. These but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you can't, I, we, I, as a, you know, in a startup and a small team, couldn't compare myself 
to McKinsey or to, uh, you know, the really big companies that that have have, resources and support. Yeah. That have a whole team just dedicated to making decks. And so the same thing in, in making this cake with my son, like it didn't matter that the cake was ugly. What mattered was the experience of it. What mattered was that it was a cake he made. What mattered was that he got to eat a lot of frosting. Um, And so I think in being kind, and I did this a lot. I used to, I used to do a lot of performing. I used to do a lot of theater and a lot of singing. I would always come out of these performances and be like, oh my God, I didn't quite hit that note right. I didn't quite do this right. Or I didn't quite. And meanwhile, people would be coming up to me and, um, and, and, and being like, oh my gosh, that was so, that, that song was so powerful or like. I get a lot of old ladies being like, will you sing at my funeral? And I'm like, oh my God, this is oh, so weird. Gosh. But like, <laughs> that's so funny. You, you've had more than one person ask. This was like a common it. thing across multiple places. Well, cause I sang and I did some like singing in, in, in churches and stuff. And that's so very strange. it was, yeah, it took a lot of getting used to. And especially the fact that it like kept happening. Um, but my point is like it, I, I had to like reset my expectations. Like, okay, I'm not a professional performer. I'm not going to rehearse four hours a day, but it's good enough for what's needed here, which is connecting with people, which is, you know, having a performance that was like good enough that people would want to sit through it and, and, and it would resonate. Right. So I think it's just that it's just coming back to like, well, what's the actual goal here rather than what are all of the things that I didn't do well enough? It's more just what's the goal? Did I accomplish that? Yep. Okay. What can I do better next time? Sure. But also what did I accomplish? Yeah. I mean, it's all about a change in perspective, right? And, and this brings me to my other favorite post. I just have to call these out because they like, I just, they're just magic to me. Um, You talk about your son, building a fairy village uh, outside of your house. And it's Mm -hmm. in this shared space, this grassy area. And you wanted to make sure that nobody knocked it down too early because you wanted it to, you know, stay up for a little while. And so you, you originally wrote a note that said, you know, please, please indulge my son, leave it up for a bit. We'll clean it up. If it's a pain, call me. And then you thought about it and you kind of ripped up the note and, and you rewrote it. And instead you, you put up a note that said, we hope this temporary exhibit by Rafa brings some magic to your day. And you got all of these thank you notes. And so this one was about the power of perspective and the power mm-hmm. of words. And I, I think about the message for me is, is twofold. One is, and this is, very important for women, stop apologizing so much. And I really try to catch myself, even if it's, you know, I have to, if it, for instance, this one comes up all the time. If I have to reschedule a call, I try Mm -hmm. not to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, especially if I'm speaking with a man or writing to a man. Yeah. I try not to say, oh, I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. I'll say, you know, thank you in advance for your flexibility or something like that. And, and, um, so, so how are you, and much like this sign, how are you projecting to the rest of the world, I think is really important. Um, but I think too, and it's related to the, the last concept with the, you know, perfectionism and being okay with, you know, a work in progress, uh, 
is how are you talking to yourself? And Mm -hmm. that's, I had a turning point in like 2018. I was just coming off of a really hard year and I was changing my medication. And I had a, a like therapist coach who would ask me, what are the things that you're saying to yourself when you look in the mirror? And I really started paying attention to that and tried to start changing how I was speaking to myself and then started noticing even when I was younger, when I was, you know, a kid, I would go to sleep trying to review my day and all the things that I did wrong that I could have done better. And no doubt that helped me improve in a lot of ways. And there's nothing wrong with seeing where your gaps are and what, what can you change and make better? But I, again, it's that, it's that focusing on, on the positives and the wins, Mm -hmm. because I think we are taught if we want to achieve this thing, then you have to keep up leveling. You have to keep getting better and keep getting better. Um, And that's important, but it's not the only thing that's important. Well, I think more, we're just always, taught don't mess up you're not good enough right right or, or we hear that a lot and it's a very real thing there's been research on this too that if a woman or a person of color messes up makes a mistake at work it's viewed much more negatively mm-hmm. and I think we hold ourselves to that standard right we look at like well what's wrong let's whereas really the focus should be on yeah let's get better but like that was good enough too like let's just do stuff it's okay to take up space, right? That's the other thing. We're often told, make yourself small. Don't, you know, don't inconvenience anybody. Don't, and then, and, and that, that's where I think like the thank you instead of the apology, we're like conditioned. I'm sorry for taking up space. I'm sorry for, but it actually feels so much better from the other side when you say thank you. Mm. Um, I was catching up with a former colleague and a friend, um, Divya Ramachandran, she's a fantastic coach as well. I met her on Monday and my son was homesick. And I mentioned, oh yeah, Rafa's homesick. And she said, she stopped, she looked at me, she said, thank you for being here while he's homesick. Mm. She didn't say, oh, you shouldn't have, oh, you shouldn't have come, oh, we could have rescheduled, oh, we could have. And it felt so good if she had started with like, oh, you shouldn't have been here, oh, you shouldn't, I would have been like, no, no, it's okay, right? And then you sort of were like, "Ah, no, it's okay, let me make you feel better about me being here. And instead it was just like, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And like, um, you see, you see my effort and that's cool. And then we just move on, right? Like it feels good from the other side too, when you just acknowledge, you say, hey, like, I appreciate it. Right. That that's something that my husband is so good at. Um, is he always, always thanks me. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little much, and then I feel like I have to thank for. But it, but it's a good it's a good practice, and I think it's one of the reasons why we have such a strong marriage. Is like, <laughs> I mean, if I unload the dishwasher every single time, hey babe, mm-hmm. thanks for unloading the dishwasher, mm-hmm. and every single time. Thank you for doing the laundry. Thank you for folding. Thank you for, thank you, 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 thank you. And I, and it's, I think that's such a, it's, it's such a blessing for me because being a mother is a thankless job. And I don't think you should expect your kids to, you should teach them to say thank you. 
but you shouldn't expect them to appreciate what you do as a parent. You're making that choice to be a parent. They'll get it if they become a parent in the future or when they go off to college and realize all the stuff that you've been doing for them. Yeah. But like, that's not the point of having a kid, but I, I feel so appreciated all the time from him because he notices all of those mm. little things. And so, yeah, unsolicited uh, advice for, for marriage. The value well. of gratitude. The val- well, I think it's, I mean, it's, I think it's huge. Right. And um, yeah, that relates to, to company culture as well. There's, you know, mm. grateful organizations do better. People do better when, when their work is, uh, appreciated. I was going to say recognized, but it's less even a, a recognized than just appreciated. Um, and you, you were, uh, you know, I relate that back to where we sort of started this discussion, which is your own internal monologue and mm-hmm. what you tell yourself. And I think it's, yeah. I think it goes back to that too. How can we be grateful to ourselves? Yeah. And that's a muscle um, that I've been told by, you know, various therapists or coaches that I, that, that I should be doing. And, you know, you, you try to think of what are your wins that day and write them mm. down or like, what are, what are five things that you're good at? Or, and, and I'm so bad. I, I'm, I always like avoid those exercises, but I think it's, it's, it's hard to remember and to, to give yourself that praise, Yeah, but it's, it's important because it's those little things that are not maybe what's making you money or that is going to get you the award that really make you who you are and make you a valuable human to the people in your life. Yeah. Just the little everyday practices. Um, and I agree. It is really hard, isn't it? To be grateful to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Say, so, well, thank, thank you self for taking that time to, yeah go to the gym today or for taking, for, for having that extra piece of toast when you were hungry or yeah. Yeah. For drinking enough water for right. Um, and even all of those things I call out are like physical taking care of ourselves. What's the mental and it's important. I don't know that I think it's really hard to do well. Um, yeah. It's easier to be grateful to other people. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Well, I have a million other things I wanted to ask, but I, I really kind of like that as a, as an ending point. Cause it's, positive and um yeah i'm just i i'm 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 so grateful to you um for being here but also like gosh i think the my favorite thing about having started this podcast and this journey i'm on is that i'm just i'm connecting more deeply with people that i wouldn't have connected with otherwise mm-hmm. and so i'm grateful that the universe is, has brought us together and and that and i'm grateful to myself let me practice here for having the courage to reach out and say, Hey, you're amazing. Can we chat? Well, I'm grateful to you as well. Like I'm, yeah, this is, this is lovely. I'm honored that I am the first sort of non, uh, person from your history, I guess, um, that to have, to have had this place of, uh, of honor. Um, and also really grateful that, you know, posting frequently on LinkedIn is very new for me. Talk about like, taking up space. I'm like, I don't, I don't want oh, people so to like hard, see yeah. my name too much. Like, am I, are people going to be annoyed to like see a bunch of posts from me? Like, I'm I don't not. have anything to say. Who's going to criticize me for doing it. Right. There's all of these like internal yeah. monologues. And I saw a lot of people recently being like, look, I'm really grateful. I started posting because I connected to more people because I've had great discussions because and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And so thank you 
for making my foray into being more present on LinkedIn so so positive. I'm so glad yeah. that you know if even the only thing that came out of that is that you and I got to connect and we got to have this conversation that will have been worth it for me. Um, but I am seeing a lot more people kind of emerge that I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we can reconnect or connect or, yeah, um, you know, that's what, that's what matters. So, but thank you. Thank you for being so positive and for reaching out and for connecting and for this podcast. I've loved getting to listen to some of your previous episodes. So thank you. You have a, you have a talent, you have a way of, um, you have a way of getting to, the kind of core of people's experience or, or what people can bring at, um, what's interesting about people and bringing that up and then listening and asking really smart questions that you're like, Oh, I, I'm learning so much from this person. Oh, so well, thank you I'm, for all you do. Yeah. I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're finding value in it. And that that's why I started really is because it's like, I'm talking to all these really interesting people all the time. And I just, I think, I think people need to hear it, you know, and, mm. and why, why not learn, help people learn the way that I'm learning rather than me, like telling people stuff, you know, like just, just share these conversations. So that's what it's been. But um, yeah, it's been a journey. It's a learning curve. Um, like I said, I think, you know, as long as I'm improving um, with every episode, but um yeah, it's like it definitely sometimes is is cringeworthy. <laughs> but I I I did you read that time time of the year article on Taylor Swift? No, I haven't yet. Oh, it's really good. It's worth a read. But my favorite okay. part, and I don't know, it's possible that Taylor Swift herself said this, but it, I think it was just the author was talking mm -hmm. about her basically reliving her childhood on the this global stage mm -hmm. going through these eras and the message was don't hate the cringeworthy part of you hate the part that cringes <gasps> oh i love that oh i yeah. love that yeah and but you know it's it takes a lot of courage to post on LinkedIn all the time. It takes a lot of courage to put a podcast out there. And you wrote about that one where you're like, I just I just posted something that totally fell flat and that happens. You know, it's it's part of it. Um, but if you're not putting yourself out there and like doing the thing that feels cringeworthy, then you're mm -hmm. not gonna learn, you're not gonna grow. So um, so yeah, I applaud you for that. But um Yeah. But yeah, I look forward to to learning more from you and and to hearing how Switzerland goes. And um, yeah, you know, next time you come on here, you you'll be one of those old friends of mine. So fantastic! I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, let's like definitely stay connected. I'm gonna keep listening to your podcast for cool. sure because I've already cool. learned so much from it. I love it. And obviously, let me know how I can continue to support you. Right, us women entrepreneurs got to stick together. 